Well, as the saying goes, there's only two things for sure in life, death and taxes. And today we're talking about one of those. We're here with Cecil Jackson, the director of Gaston County's tax department, and one of his deputies, Chelsea Tarbush. We'll be talking about the new building that they'll be moving into here in a matter of weeks and new ways to service you as you get ready to pay your tax bills. We'll also be talking about how the market has really upended things here in Gaston County and across the country and what that means for you. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Cecil, we'll start with you. My name is Cecil Jackson. I'm the tax director here at Gaston County. I've been here for, we'll be in October two years. Prior to that, I worked in Mecklenburg County for about 23 years uh, as an appraiser uh, and uh, a manager for the assessor's office, and um, just happy to be here. Sounds so fun. <laughs> Do you find taxes fun? It's a great job. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad to have you. If you could see my face. <laughs> Chelsea, what about you? Um, my name is Chelsea Tarbush. I have been with the Gaston County Tax Office for about five years. I am the quality control manager. I was hired to do the foreclosures originally as the tax paralegal. Before that, I was in the Gaston County District Attorney's Office as a victim witness legal assistant. Oh, wow. So I switched from criminal law to tax office in the real estate world. I didn't know you were in the attorney's office. I was. I probably used to run by you all the time. I was over there a lot when I was a social worker um, working with victims of domestic violence. So, wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, And Chelsea and I also went to middle school together. So I just want to say that. Wow. Put that in there. Yeah. Did we not go to high school together? No, because I went to Highland. Did you go to North Gaston? I did. Yeah. That's right. We played, it was, was it eighth grade soccer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. So both from Bessemer then? Well, Dallas. I told you, I'm on the line okay. between Bessemer and Dallas. So whenever it helps me to say Dallas, I say Dallas. We'll, we'll stick with Dallas yeah. in this instance. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. We had uh, Judge Caldwell in for an episode, and he was talking about some getting into trouble with Bessemer City a while back. Uh, yeah, I love Bessemer City, though. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. So something that people don't know much about is the annual tax process. So they see their bill. You know, it's not always a good thing to get in the mail, um, especially with property values increasing. Wait, wait, wait. People get their tax bills and they aren't excited? Like, to me, that's like Christmas. Like, hey, I get to pay a bill. Listen, I get excited because we have that little insert in there, and I well, love to yeah. see that. So, I know Cecil gets excited, too. So. <laughs> Extremely excited, yeah. Yes. It's, the, the best part about that is is that, yes, we're required to, to get tax bills out. Right. Um, we technically don't have to, but we do it kind of as a courtesy. Uh, they they were due September first uh, until uh, January the fifth, which if, depends on if it falls on holiday or not. It could be the day after, okay. uh, without interest. Anything after that, the first month is uh, first month in January six or seventh is two percent. Anything after that is half three quarter. quarters. Three quarters. Excuse me. What happens before you get to that point where that bill sent out? So <laughs> it's, it's an annual cycle. Mm-hmm. So uh, January one, uh, the assessor tax director, whatever title you want to call us, bad guy, is uh, <laughs> charged with uh, assessing, collecting, and um, making sure that properties are assessed correctly. Those property uh, property uh, notices are usually go out to uh, property owners, especially the real estate and the personal property and business personal property. Mm-hmm. Individual personal property and business personal property individuals, they are assessed annually. Uh, real estate is assessed on uh, a revaluation cycle. Uh, the county is has to do one every f- eight every, every eight years by um, law. Every eight by years by law, but the uh, board of county commissioners can um, have they can have a resolution that says we can do it at this particular mm-hmm. particular time. Uh, ours is every four years, 
So the last one was in 2019. The next one will be in 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, so those values stay stagnant unless they make right. changes to property. And usually that's, we find that out by building permits or property. People used to have to list their property every year. Mm -hmm. They don't have to do that anymore. So we know we're on a permanent listing system. The only time they have to technically notify us is when they actually make changes to the property. So when will you start the next reval? We've already started. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, we started a couple months ago. Like going out to properties? and We started that after the last reval. So okay. there's, so a, there's a review of properties. Uh, we do quite a few different types of reviews. There's a field review, which is a physical inspection of the property where someone goes out and knocks on the door. We call it field canvassing project. We're trying to do one-sixth of the county. We're shooting for one quarter, but we're doing one-sixth. Okay. Uh, hopefully that's our target. And then we're going to uh, hopefully amp that up annually. But that's field canvassing. So folks go out. They physically will knock, ring your doorbell, say, hey, we're here to make sure property values or your property is listed correctly. It won't affect your assessed value unless we're missing, obviously, a second floor or a house, mm -hmm. something that's obvious. Mm -hmm. But it's just general information. We correct it, and we hold that until the next reassessment cycle, which is 2023. So you're looking at mostly external changes to the property? Yes. So like if you added a garage or if you added a, mm -hmm. you know. Pool or yeah. deck or patio or something that's physically you can see or, or be notified. Or um, do you ever have plans to use drones to do that? I hear that that's a thing in government now. I am not a drone <laughs> driver or whatever. Or <laughs> You're who not a drone pilot? No. There you go. That's, I'm not a drone pilot. I am just a, um, an assessor. I know that that's a lot. A lot of folks are moving to that direction. Mm -hmm. But right now that's, that's not us. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. What changes, if anything, did the current market have on the revaluation process? Because obviously things are kind of going gangbusters in terms of house sales and prices kind of going through the roof. I mean, do you have to kind of scrap some of the work that you've done before? Do you just kind of take some of that into consideration? Yeah, you don't scrap the work. It's just you're just making modified changes to, to that process. Got so. It. Uh, we have a thing called the schedule of values that has to be adopted by the county commission, mm -hmm. the board of county commissioners, prior to the, uh, each reassessment. And that is how we, it's basically a guide to how to appraise property. Mm -hmm. It's pretty pretty thick. It shows you neighborhood codes. It gives you uh, all kinds of different variations of how to assess and appraise properties. Mm -hmm. uh, it's basically a formula. If you put it in, it says this is your rate for a 1,500-square-foot house. How many bed and bathrooms? This is the typical price per square foot for property, and then we minus off depreciation if if there's age on the property, and then we add the land. So it's not very it's not as volatile as the I guess the housing market. It's not because we're capturing it at in January one of that particular year, mm -hmm. right? So anything that fluctuates up or down in between those years, mm -hmm. it doesn't really affect our assessments. That's okay. good to know. Right. Yeah. The only time that we make changes to properties, I kind of mentioned. Someone takes a building permit or they add a new house or add an addition. <laughs> that value is based on that date, the last reappraisal. Okay. So if Adam bought a house that was 30 years old, he decided to remodel it, we're going to assess this property based on January 1 of 2019. Okay. Yeah. So we would capture the next reassessment, 1-1-2023. So we use sales of properties prior to the 1-1-23 date. Mm -hmm. That makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we're capturing, we're basically capturing a genie in a bottle on, on one particular date. That's mm. all it is. Anything, anything after that, we're not allowed to make changes unless it's something physical. Got it. Yeah. So people can basically count on a consistent rate between 
it over those four years. Yes. So they could, they they'll know this will be my assessed value for the next four years, unless unless you make significant or the changes. house burns to the ground and then well yeah. they're assessed as for the just for their land. Got it. Tax years make my brain hurt as a budget person because we work in fiscal years, <laughs> and then there's a calendar year too. So. It takes me like a minute to like sit down and be like, okay, this value will be for this year. What type of year are we talking? Yeah. yeah. yeah so imagine right. if I have to go back and do what you did, it makes my head hurt. Yeah. Because I'm thinking okay. January and you're <laughs> talking July. And we yeah. always have to clarify when we email each other, like, are we talking tax years or yeah. fiscal years or calendar years? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. When does the actual revaluation process and the assessors, when do they stop assessing and when do you start processing the, how long are they actually out? I think you called it canvassing. Canvassing. Yeah. We do that annually. We do it every year. Okay. Um, we try to do it a full calendar year, but sometimes we have to break it up. It depends on what duties or number of property tax appeals we have or other duties we have that come down the pike. Okay. Um, but usually we're doing that quarterly, but we want to do it annually to capture as many of those properties. Because the best thing we could do is get the property right, right? Mm-hmm. We're looking at something that has the right data that if mm-hmm. you came into our office and said, I want to look at this property record card of my property, we could sit down with you, print a card, say, this is how many bedrooms you have, how many bathrooms, how many square feet. Is it two stories? Does it have a basement? Did you add this garage? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a pool? You know, and just verifying data. Because that data we capture, so when properties sell, we know what they sell for, and then we're looking at property. Uh, we're using a um, approach called match pairs. So prop- we'll look at properties that says, this house had a three-bedrooms, two-baths. This had a one-bedroom or three-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath. What's the difference in value? Oh, they bought an extra half bath, and it it attributes attributes three thousand dollars in value. Okay. Right. So Adam pays three thousand dollars more than you did. Same house, but he has an extra half bathroom. Makes okay. Sense. What at what point, Chelsea, does your role come into this cycle? Most of mine is on the delinquent side of it. So once tax bills have been sent out, September one is the due date. January fifth or sixth, depending on what day that falls on that's the date that you have to pay it until they become delinquent. After that, we move forward. Well, part of my division will move forward, whether that's foreclosing on delinquent properties, and that's real property. Um, We have levying on business personal property, and that's also your delinquent aspect of it. The bankruptcy side of it is just an ongoing process. As somebody's filing bankruptcy, you know, and their taxes are delinquent, we wait till after that delinquency date. We wait till after we send the notice so once that's sent, um, we then will start filing claims with the bankruptcy court so that we can collect that money that is owed to the tax office. And then you have the um, auditor and quality con- uh, Q&T specialist that they audit our processes. Well, the Q&T specialist goes through the different divisions within our office, and they audit the processes to make sure that, you know, work's been reviewed, it's been, doing, been done correctly, processes are being followed. Um, and then the auditor position does audits on businesses to make sure that if that business listed, they listed correctly, that we've got that value captured. Um, If we go to a business and that business has not listed, then we can list that business. So we're making sure that we are, you know, getting that value on the tax rolls. Right. Has there been a increase in people that are falling into delinquency over this past year because of COVID or is that hard to track at this point? I would say that we didn't have that many delinquent properties this year hmm. due to COVID. We actually saw an uptick of folks paying their tax bills before they were delinquent. Wow. I think they were more concerned about, 
I want to make sure my bills are paid. Mm-hmm. Sure. Or anything else. Uh, we did have a program at one point. We were um, allowing folks who are actually on our delinquent list, I guess you could say that, mm-hmm. that pay their tax bills by monthly or something um, to alleviate some of those pressures when they weren't, you know, hey, I don't have my job. I'm not working. At, right. I can't, can't pay my bills. We're like, okay, we'll work with you. We'll make sure that, you know, you don't have to pay this couple months of your right. taxes. We'll, you know, we'll go back on the back end, on the rear ends, and pay that. So, uh, but we saw no probably downside of folks paying their, not paying their taxes. Wow. But you've also made it easier to pay tax bills oh, yes. this year, right? We tried our best. Yeah. So, <laughs> obviously, uh, we've been at um, the Self Help Bank on Chester Street, right? And we were lucky to actually partner with, uh, I think it's Self Self Help. It was First Legacy or something first a long legacy, time ago. Right. Yeah. That's right. Now they're Self Help. They weren't in the building. We reached out to them, and they're like, "Yes, you know, we want to partner with the community. We want to actually help out uh, the county." Mm-hmm. I think it was a win-win for both of us. Kind of get some exposure for them as well. We had a probably a, a raving success with prop, uh, property owners and taxpayers saying, it, "You know, I'm so glad that you guys got this bank because they didn't actually actually have to physically sit, stand beside each other, pay their tax bills. They just yep. drove through the drive-through." We had drop boxes there. They went through the drive-thru. They got to talk to a teller, a tax collector. Mm-hmm. Right. The tax collector <laughs> playing the role of the bank right. teller. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they paid their bills there. We gave them a receipt. They drove out, never got out of their cars. Right. Yeah. We answered a lot of questions there as well. And a lot of folks were really proactive, and they are really happy to see that, especially, the, I think, the, uh, the elderly mm-hmm. uh, Absolutely. population. Didn't have to go to their vehicles and stand in line for 20, 30 minutes to pay a tax bill when we're willing to help them do that. So. Uh, it it was a win win for all of us, and it obviously kept everyone COVID free. Well, and especially when a lot of bills were being collected in that kind of November to early January timeframe, and we were seeing some of the highest cases of COVID throughout this whole pandemic. So, I mean, that was that was critical in terms of keeping everybody safe. Oh, absolutely. So that it, uh, obviously the staff. I mean, yep. that's our first and foremost was the most important thing to me. But obviously the citizens as, as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it went off great. Folks were extremely happy. No complaints, no arguments. People stayed in their cars. They're very patient. Got to pay their bill. Drove home, and worked out so well that the county's now making a long-term investment, working to make that strategy a, a permanent thing. I guess absolutely. And um, I think they saw the need for that. We're going to be located at one one hundred East Garrison Boulevard. I think it's the old PNC Bank. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a great location. I think it's on Marietta Garrison. Yeah, right there, off across from the. I think it's now, it was a Walgreens, now it's a Rite Aid maybe? Eckert, I think. Yeah, it was the Eckert yeah. and then a Rite Aid, and it sits directly across from the food line on Garrison. Yeah, yeah. Which is not, but maybe, what, a quarter of a mile, half a mile at the max, yep. the admin building here. So but very centrally located, easy for people to get to. Easily, yes. Actually, it's a larger bank. It's, it's, it's a very, it's much larger. Our entire office will be there. Collector's office will be in that, uh, located there. We have two teller lines with the pneumatic machines nice. have a drop box there as well um it's a really great location and it's got a larger parking space so we can get a lot of folks in and out of there do y'all use those things that they send through the window yeah. that used to fascinate me as a kid and they would give me a little lollipop yeah, come up real late push the button <laughs> yeah oh yay yeah, yeah. so yeah the, uh, i think they're called pneumatic machines they are oh is that yeah. what that is yeah. okay i've always wondered if you get like weird things in those sometimes like if people send them up when you're closed with like weird like notes and I don't know. Does that, not, that hasn't happened I don't yet. Know. I, 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 hope not. 
I know people drive off with them. Like, we'll forget to, like, put oh, them back through gosh. and they'll drive off with them. That you has happened. In their passenger seat. Yeah, it's like, you know, you sit it in your lap, get your money yeah. out, and then it's like, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Please bring it back, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You'll turn into the um, tube collection yeah, department. We'll, 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 have, we'll have a box of those things sitting down on the floor just in case someone drives off. Right, so. Uh, it's like, hey, we got a 98.5% collection rate, but we lost 13 <laughs> pneumatic tubes. <Yes. laughs> so we're down 45% on our cup. Yeah. Also, if you get a weird note in one, just know it's probably going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> or we'll send Chelsea out to foreclose on, on the <sighs> pneumatic machine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the perfect. tube. That's only a joke. Coming out to levy on the <laughs> <laughs> Okay, speaking of foreclosures, can we talk about that? There was a point where I think, you know, in like 2010, where a lot of properties are being foreclosed, which was not a good thing, but... It was if you were looking for a home, I guess, and you could find something. But I've never known what that process is like um, between the foreclosure and how people bid on it and whatnot. So can you go through that process? Yeah, sure. So um, there's a difference between a mortgage foreclosure and a tax foreclosure. So, you know, if, if you're delinquent on your mortgage, that's when your mortgage company starts the foreclosure process. They normally, you'll see in the registered deeds office, they appoint a substitute trustee. They go through that foreclosure process. It goes to sale on the courthouse steps. Pretty much the same way with tax foreclosures. So you have to be at least one year or more delinquent. And then we go through the process of notifying, you know, owners, heirs, lien holders, whomever may have an interest in that property. It's about a six to eight month process from start to finish. Prior to 2016, Gaston County didn't really have a foreclosure program. We had contracts with outside attorney's office that would foreclose on properties, but they would charge us, you know, their normal hourly rate. Mm. And so you're looking at these properties that are not desirable, that's dilapidated, plus the, you know, hours that they've put into this. So you've got ten dollars to $20,000 worth of attorney's fees, $10,000 in back Mm -hmm. taxes. They go to sell it. It's not worth it. The county becomes the owner. Mm -hmm. Um, So then we have these surplus properties. You know, the county's kind of losing money on that. So in 2016, they started the in-rim foreclosure program. We've had great success. We've sold about 60 properties. We have we have started the process on roughly about 500 properties. Oh, wow. And there's over 5,000 delinquent properties in Gaston County oh, wow. currently. That was as of May 24th of 2021. Is that a lot more than back in the 2010, 28, 2008? Um, I don't have those numbers, so I'm yeah. not 100% sure. And that's just within Gaston County. So right. I don't know what those numbers look like back then and what the delinquent rate was at that time. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that it's a lot, but with our collection rate, you wouldn't think that. Right. But when I say there's 5,000, that could be anywhere from one year to 10 years delinquent. Okay. So, you know, you've got a wide range of that. So if the first step that we do is try to set up payment plans with the taxpayer, if that doesn't work, then I move forward with the foreclosure process. You know, I send notice letters and then we docket a judgment. Once we docket that judgment, I have to wait three months and then we can um, file the execution and notice of sale. Once I get that notice of sale, that's pretty much saying, hey, here's the auction date for this property. Here's the starting price that we're going to do this at. We post an actual posting like on a board on the property. We post it at the courthouse, on our website, um, in the Gaston Gazette. These properties are sold as is with no warranties, no guarantees. So you buy them as they sit. So if you're looking at a house and it's, you know, $6,000 delinquent taxes and we're going to start it off at $6,500 on the courthouse steps. There may be somebody living in that property, but you'll have to go through the process of evicting them. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. So when I say you buy it as it sits, you literally buy it as it sits. The upset bid process or the bidding process, we open the bidding at auction at what is owed in delinquent taxes, fees, and interest. Um, 
And then it's just like what you see on TV with storage wars or auctions or whatever. You know, they're bidding back and forth. Literally on the courthouse steps? Literally okay. on the courthouse see, steps. See, I've, I've been curious about because I've never seen it happen. So I didn't know that it actually happened on the courthouse. I will yeah. invite you to our next auction. Yes, It's yes. a lot of fun. Um, what if I accidentally, like, get excited and bid for something? Well, you don't have a little sign okay. to, like, raise your hand. Can you guys go and get, like, a professional auctioneer? No, no. so this okay. sheriff. Oh, uh, But, okay. but, but, if we have to levy on property, <laughs> as Cecil is shaking his head, <laughs> no. Cecil is the only one that is authorized by general statutes to auction personal or business property other than the sheriff. And so if we ever actually have to levy on a business... He will be our auctioneer. Ooh. Yes, I can't wait. Can I get a one? Can I get a two? Yeah, I'm going to get you a fancy hat and everything. Yeah, but like that Geico commercial. The right. Yeah. I, hope, I really hope that happens. Well, I would definitely oh, invite you to that yes, one, please. too. Yes, we'll bring popcorn. Oh, and my God. <laughs> it would definitely be a Geico commercial. Absolutely. We could have a lot of fun with this. Yeah. You will need to video that one. Oh, there's no doubt about that. But, yeah, I mean, the upset bid process goes on. Um, it's a 10-day process, and every time someone upsets the bid, the 10-day starts over. So it's literally it can go on for months. Um, I have three properties right now, and I'm a little shocked at the prices of some of them. I just got a bid yesterday for 115000 on a property in Dallas that's just an old farmhouse. It's been sitting empty for at least 10 years. It's an acre of land. We've got, like, $53,000 on it as tax value. And wow. That just goes to show you the market right now. Oh, yeah. 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 So people are paying $115,000 for a property that sold as is, no warranties, no guarantees, that they're going to have to turn around and dump money into and then may possibly be able to sell it and still make money in this market. But you said an acre of land. All these new properties have next to no land. That is true. Right. I've heard a trend that a lot of hedge funds are buying up properties. Is that happening here? I have a lot of investors. um, And I actually have some from Charlotte. Uh, I mean, I get calls probably four or five daily of, hey, can we get a list of your delinquent property um, list? You know, can you tell us about this? People come into the office, and honestly, it's just investors. Some of them are your local people that have started an LLC for the sole purpose of flipping real estate. Wow. Makes it really hard for people looking for houses who just want something affordable. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, you just mentioned hedge fund investors. When I worked in Charlotte, there were that was just kind of happening. Mm-hmm. Um about 2016, 15, 17, okay. a lot of inve- folks were buying undesirable properties, mostly starter homes, rental properties. Yeah, the thing that people need the most. Yes, right and now. it's taken off like yeah. gangbusters. I think uh, there was an article I was reading the other day. Um, I think it was out of the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that there were over 11,000 single-family homes in Charlotte. I think they're owned by landlords. Oh. Wow. And I, I think it's just a matter of time for things like that could p- potentially happen here. Mm-hmm. We don't want that to happen because we want people to own property. Right. I mean, but mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I'm not a. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing you can yeah, do to control yeah. that. No. Do but you think there will be some kind of um, policy or something that prevents this in the future? I don't think that's possible. I was thinking it was something that happened within the last year, but you said six, 2016, so yeah. five years. You'd um, think a policy would have developed by now, yeah. I would But assume. I think the folks saw the market because. Obviously, two, 2008 and nine and 10, mm-hmm. you saw the downturn yep. crash, mm-hmm. and things just were like... Yeah. They had, you you know. couldn't give things no, away. No, it was a Led Zeppelin, right? <laughs> uh, and now here we are, and it's 2021, uh-huh. and things are like crazy. I mean, uh-huh. cost of materials are out the roof. Mm-hmm. You can't find appliances for properties, for homes. Builders can't build houses fast enough. People are buying properties before they're even built, mm-hmm. you know? 
You um, can't even buy used cars right now. I'm no, here. Yeah. Is that affecting the tax collection so on vehicles? No, we haven't. We've not seen that problem so far. Yeah. The, we've, we run a monthly report. We get from the um, registered motor vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and uh, those numbers, I thought we would see a downside. We did during COVID mm-hmm. for a brief, probably four or five, six months. Mm-hmm. I think Janet, I yeah. can talk to you a little bit about that. But it came back mm-hmm. pretty roaring. But I know that there's a chip shortage. I know some people have cars who are having problems with that. Yeah. People can't buy trucks because uh, they're so, <laughs> and the trucks they sell are so expensive. So we're seeing that values of, pro- of, of vehicles, especially SUVs and mm-hmm. the big, big boy mm-hmm. trucks. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that. Big trucks. <laughs> yeah. F-150s, 250s, things like that. The one you need a ladder to climb into the yeah. cab for. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those hold their value. They're like houses right now. Hold I've them. heard even RVs are hard to buy. Yep. Well, people are buying, and I know this from a friend that's actually building. They bought 12 acres of land here in Gaston County um, about a year ago and had started the process of building their house. And they actually are, they sold their house to buy that. They're renting, but their daughter, they're going to subdivide some of their land to give to their daughter. Well, with the price of building right now, they're literally buying her a camper, getting the permits, pulling all that. And you would be surprised of the people that are doing that, and they can't keep RVs in because people are buying RVs to live on the land that they've already purchased until they can get their house complete. Because it's just the cost of lumber, you know. And the rent. I mean, you yeah. can buy an RV cheaper than you can pay monthly rent, and you're already paying for That's the land, crazy. so it makes right. sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, we're seeing a large amount of properties that have sold here in Gaston County. Uh, obviously, it's happened nationwide. Uh, sure. And the, obviously, the assessed values of those properties, uh, we can't keep up with the our old assessment in 2019 compared to what they currently are selling for. We, yeah. um, we have a report that we have to send to the Department of Revenue, a sales ratio report. It tells you what your ratios are. Uh, I think we were at 97% of market when the 2019 assessment notices went out, and we're well below um, yeah. 80-some percent. I won't give exact number just yet. But it shows you we're 15 to 20% below market currently. Well, and when you guys do the reval for 2023, if the market, even if it levels off some, which, I mean, it's going to have to at some point, is it going to be a bit of a, you know, cold water to the face for people? I mean, is it going to be a bigger jump than usual? I, I think that, yes, you could see a, a uptick of values of properties here. And sure. I think folks will know that. I mean, obviously, Houses go on the market. People are paying cash and mm. well over the price of what it was listed for. Right. You know, it's it's just mind-boggling what people are paying for properties mm. and trying to keep up with the market and saying, oh, my gosh, you know, this house last year sold for X and now it's sold for 3X, you know, two mm. years later. Yeah, How's that possible? Of, I have a friend of mine that's trying to buy in Union County, and they put in offers on three different homes, like, the first day that they hit the market. She was telling me that they've – Offered fifty k over asking price and didn't get it. I mean, yes, that's uh, nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> uh, my son lives in D.C. and you know how the market is there. He and his wife are trying to buy a house, and everything they went to look at by the time they got there it was under contract or someone paid cash. Wow, and well over the price. And I just said, you just need to sit back and let things kind of cool down. Yeah. It may be a while, but the market always it comes you know, cyclical. It comes in cycles. Sure. Mm-hmm. So we'll see eventually. Hopefully. We don't get a major downturn in the market, right? But we see something that kind of levels off, that you know c- the county can sustain or the country sustains in terms of values, uh, and then folks don't have sticker shock. So that's our purpose: is to one of the reasons to have this podcast and other uh, ideas we've talked about on our strategic plan is to actually get out in the communities. We 
didn't last year, obviously, because of COVID. Right. But our office was, was more than willing to speak to any civic or- organizations, town hall meetings, and so forth about the reassessments, what we see in terms of values for, for uh, areas, townships, cities, uh, the county overall, uh, what people could expect so they don't have this shock. I mean, I did this in Mecklenburg County mm-hmm. for their 2019 reassessment. Okay. Uh, so prior to that, the session I can join her and uh, our staff or his staff, I was part of his staff, uh, we would go out and speak on nights and afternoons during the day to whoever, you know, would want to have us to talk about assessments and property values mm-hmm. and what expectations are. And we would give people real, realistic numbers to saying, yes, this is what you could probably s- expect in terms of your assessed value. We don't set tax rates. We only assess properties. So right. Most people would always ask us, what is what's my taxes going to be? Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know. We that. don't know. <laughs> no. It changes every year. And I mean, you're talking Gaston County, you're talking about whatever municipality you're in. If you're in a um, volunteer fire district, I mean, it's it's a combination of different things. That's all those things were voted on. FY22, we're keeping it steady from the previous year. So that's good news. Yep. That's good news. They just adopted that uh, a couple weeks ago. So go again. I know you've mentioned um, a few of the ways, but go through the list of ways to pay your tax bill. So there's some options to pay your taxes. Uh, here in Gaston County. You can pay by check or money order, and you can mail that check or money order to the Gaston County Tax Collector, which is P.O. Box 1578 in Gastonia, North Carolina, 28053. Uh, that's, you can do that. Or you can pay in person by check, money order, or cash. Please don't put cash in a mail. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yes. Yeah. Well, checks and money orders are great. Um, and we have a drive-thru. Obviously, that drive-thru is at 100 East Gaston. Excuse me. Garrison. Garrison Boulevard <laughs> is in Gaston. Um, it is in Gaston. Yes, in Gaston. It's in Gastonia. Yeah. Um, but it's 100 East uh, Garrison Boulevard. Um, it's the old PNC bank. Will you have a sign on it that says pay taxes here? Yes. Over the PNC? We'll okay. have sandwich signs uh, probably out in front of the building so mm-hmm. folks will know this is the new location. We're going to try our best to get as much information out to, to the public and taxpayers, letting them know our new location. Like Again, I can't stress enough how great – grateful we were well first of all to the board of county commissioners for allowing us to be at the bank as well mm-hmm. self-help and the uh, leadership team with dr eagle and matt mm-hmm. uh, that was a great um, they gave us great support uh, they did the same thing here with the pnc bank because they saw the need for the county and the community um, so we're grateful for that uh, but we can't stress enough how well that went for us this past year and what we hope for the future at the uh, garrison boulevard so are you accepting in-person payments still Right now, we're open to the public by appointment only. Okay. But right now, we're not taking in-person payments unless someone wants to do that. But if they want to and insist, we're not going to tell them no. Right. How do they make an appointment? Do they call or is that an online? They can call. They could probably just come to the door. Oh, okay. Or come through the drive-thru and say, hey, I need to just come in inside. But if they're at the drive-thru, they really don't need to. It's the same process. Right. But if they just want to come in the building for some particular reason, I mean, we're not going to tell them no. Right. Okay. And the folks that are helping them in the drive-thru are able to answer, you know, if they've got questions or things like that. I mean, they're prepped to be able to it's do It's the that. same same process. If they Instead of walking in the door, they're at the window in their car. Yeah. So when are the payments due? They're due September 1st. What are the interest charges for late payments? So taxes are due September 1st. They're delinquent as of January 5th or 6th, depending on how that falls. The first month, so after January 6th, um, it'll be 2% interest, and every month thereafter it's three-quarter percent until it's paid in full. And what happens if I just don't pay? You'll see me at your door. Uh, okay. <laughs> the face well, of the tax department. Well, <laughs> she's one of many. I mean, she's done a lot of this. 
before it even gets to me or my team, they go through wage garnishments, bank attachments, rent attachments, sheriff letters, all enforced collection remedies through the North Carolina General Statutes and the Machinery Act has to be exhausted before we can levy or foreclose. So if you see me, then you've had plenty of notice from our office that you have not paid your taxes. We're very um, willing to work with uh, taxpayers in terms of hoping that we can help them alleviate pressures on paying their taxes at once. Right. You can pay it throughout the year. There's plenty of options, but the option is not just to pay it at the end of the year and save your money. You can pay it monthly if that that helps you at all. You can also pay online. Yes, you can pay online, which is a great option. Uh, And if you want to do that, you can go to https colon forward slash forward slash gastonnc.devnetwedge.com. Interesting. I didn't, know. I didn't and, know. And if you come to the, like, if you can't remember all of that, if you come to, like, the Gaston Gov main page and if you go to the tax department page, you guys have quick links on there that, yes. that'll take people to any information that they need yep. or to be able to pay on. Any information. It has all information about every program that we have to help folks alleviate some of their tax bills, uh, exemption programs and so forth, elderly exemptions, veteran exclusions. It's all on our website. There's applications for that as well. We do that as well to help folks alleviate some of the pressures of paying their taxes if they they qualify. We'll put them in the program. You can pay by phone at one eight five five nine seven six three eight six six. So short of like, you know, tying a, a stack of hundreds to a pigeon and sending it to you, you've got just about everything else covered. We were thinking outside the box last year with COVID and so. What else can we do to help folks pay bills? We also thought about maybe having kiosks. They're way too expensive. Yeah. So. Uh, that just didn't happen this year. But maybe in the future, the dollar, I mean, if they come down in t- price, maybe we can get a kiosk. And folks can pay their taxes in, all over the county. So what's what's the one thing you want people to know about what you do? The one thing I want people to know about what we do um, is that we are fair amongst the county, and we're trying to create equity mm-hmm. and be, be fair and equitable. It's part of what we do. Uh, as part of the community, we want to make sure that people know that Chelsea's paying her fair share of taxes, Janet's paying her share, Adam and Cecil. Not that, you know, Cecil gets a huge tax break because he, his property was under-assessed by $300,000, right. and Janet's now paying over-assessment by $300,000, right? Right. So I'm I'll make sure that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not passing that burden to you. Everyone's yeah. paying their fair share based on their value. Right, yeah. And and I will say one one last thing. Real estate market changes every four years here in the county. Mm-hmm. Personal property and the individual personal property listings, it's assessed every year. It's annual. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so like your vehicle or if you're on a boat yep. or, you know, if you're one of those fancy yeah. people with a plane. <laughs> Someone, any of those type things, yes, as well. Anything is tangible. and or, or if you've got computer equipment, you know, or you've on a tattoo parlor and you've got the equipment, the tattoo folks, mm-hmm. all that stuff gets assessed every year. Right, but it depreciates a whole lot faster. Not all of it, but some of it does. Then, obviously, real estate, because we know how real estate does it. can go up or down. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You have anything, one thing you want people to know about what you do? What made, <laughs> you, what made you get into doing work in taxes? Because you talked about being on kind of a, a different side of the, the legal profession to a certain degree a while ago. What made you want to switch? Um. Besides Cecil. <laughs> he wasn't here at the I time. Know. I know. I didn't know Cecil at the time. Yeah. 
I started in the DA's office when I was 19, um, straight out of college. And so just working with that type of stuff every day made me a little jaded, gave mm. me a different outlook on life. Um, I did enjoy that type of work, but I needed to change after doing it for eight years. This came open. I wanted to stay in the system, you know, county, state retirement system. Yep. Um, came open. I applied and jumped in both feet. So you've got a victim's advocate background. So I'm sure that applies to taxes as well, where you're, you know, you're looking for the, um, you're helping the little man as much as you can and, and, you know, making sure everybody's treated fairly. I will say that's one thing that regardless of, you know, we don't care if you're a millionaire or you're on a fixed income or, you know, you're living in your grandma's house that she passed down and you can't afford to stay in it. Mm -hmm. We'll do whatever we can to help you. We can't waive the taxes, we can't waive the interest, and we can't waive the fees. But right. we will set you up on a payment plan to where you can pay that so that you can keep your house. I know that we forcefully take stuff from people, but our main goal is to get the taxes paid and for people to retain their property. And that's all stuff that's set by statute. So that like, there is there there isn't that flexibility on some of that. It's like no. it's, you just you have to enforce yeah, what's on the books. Yeah, we can't we can't bash the, the rules. I started this almost twenty eight years ago mm-hmm. in this line of work, this was not what I set out to be. I don't think anyone ever wanted to be a tax assessor or a tax collector. I just don't see someone growing up saying, I want to do this for a living. Yeah, you don't see most of the six-year-olds on career day going, (laughs) I want to be a tax man. Yeah, yeah, no, not going to happen. No Beatles songs are played. No. Stand up there, right? No. So every, all of my colleagues, all the folks I've met um, over the course of 28 years, I think they all could tell you they fell in this job kind of by default. Mm. Not same mistake, default. Sure. Either they knew someone or someone said, hey, you should do an intern or, hey, do you ever thought about doing so-and-so or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, being a, a an advocate for our, our industry, I'm on our board of directors for our International Association of Assessing Officers. We have close to 8,000 members. Oh, wow. Um, it's international. <laughs> sure. Uh, and we have a lot of good people that come out of that. We do a lot of good things as well, including professional development. Mm-hmm. Um, Chelsea here has designation she received one from our organization this past year or this year as well as two of our other staff members which is a huge feat because it's a lot of work a lot a lot of work Mm. a lot of work I I call them the one percenters you know she's now in the in the bikers club Uh I mean you get a cool jacket with that club No, Can I get one in Chicago? no you get a pin though oh okay okay Um, but there's a lot of good things a lot of networking with with staff or with staff, with colleagues, as well as meeting a lot of people, getting a lot of good ideas. We exchange information. But the most important thing, I think, for us is that we want to make sure that everyone's treated fairly. Mm-hmm. I keep saying that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the most important part of what we do is to communicate with people because in this line of work, you've got to be able to talk. Mm-hmm. Yep. And sometimes way too much. And I've sometimes really fast if you end up as an auctioneer on the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. 